This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play Doctor Online. Sorry I didn't do a show last week, but uh, I needed a break, uh, and I had gotten my second dose of the uh, the Pfizer version of the uh, COVID vaccine uh, that Friday, that last week on Friday. I record these shows on Fridays. So I, I uh, figured eh, I might be a little out of sorts because the first dose, I did have the sore, sore shoulder, not too bad, but sore shoulder. But in the middle of the night, after that first dose, I woke up feeling fluish and, you know, had to do, take care of myself a little bit. Uh, but by the time I got up the next morning, I was pretty much better. Still had a bit of a sore, sore shoulder and was a little tired, but I didn't feel fluish. So I was expecting, with the second dose, I was expecting to have you know, probably even stronger reaction than I had in that first one because that's what I've been hearing. A lot of people, uh, the first shot isn't so bad. The second shot has a little more of the flu-like symptoms happening because your body has had uh, 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 like three weeks to start building up its uh, its protections against the virus. And so when you get that next shot, it's already kind of revved up a little bit and, uh, and, and you can get sort of the flu-like symptoms. Uh, which my son had today. He got his second shot yesterday. So he's a couple weeks away from being fully vaccinated. He said today he, you know, he, his sore arm wasn't as bad as the first time. He had the, It was more sore. But today he said, ah, headachey, tired, queasy stomach, just tired. You know, just, you know, just pretty much took it easy today. He doesn't have school on Fridays, so... He was able to just sort of just lay back and relax. Amy, uh, Amy gets um, to her full vaccination level on Monday, and I get uh, I get there next Friday, which is good because at the end of the month, the last week in the month, which is Memorial Day weekend, my younger brother and his girlfriend have the uh, the Fitzsimmons family coming up to their place to have a, a celebration, a get together, and. Uh, uh, all of us will be able to be maskless because we'll all be fully vaccinated by then. Um, I'm not sure about my niece and her kids. Mm, if they're going to be there, they might not be. But I. Th- but uh, um, but we we should be able to be maskless and together on that on that day. Uh, again, I went over to my parents' house this past weekend. 
uh, or, or the weekend from last last weekend, I should say. Yeah, this past weekend. That's, that's I said it right, right? Anyway, so I went over on Saturday to cut the grass, and I went in the house, and I was wearing my mask. And again, my mother says, you don't need to wear the mask. You're not going to get anything from us. And I said, Mom, I'm not fully vaccinated yet. I have to wait through the two weeks after getting the second dose. And once I'm past that, I'll take the mask off. I want to be careful. Because you know, vaccines are not 100%. You know, they're not. And, you know, I, I wouldn't want to give them something that there's the possibility there. So until I'm fully vaccinated, I wear the mask. And she again said, oh, well, okay, I guess that makes sense. But still. <laughs> um uh, so yeah, so um, uh, it, it's it's uh, it, we're close, we're inch, inching our way ever closer. Now, when I did get my second dose, uh, I uh, it was a lot more uh, clear sailing for me. The first dose, my wife it was telling me because she had hers like a week and a half before I got my first dose. So she says, what, and we got them from the same place. So she says, well, you'll go in. There'll be somebody who'll greet you. They'll find out if you're getting a shot. And if you are, they're going to send you over to a desk, a check-in desk, and you'll check in. And then you, f and then they'll give you some paperwork that you need to fill out. And then you'll follow these yellow dots on the floor with little arrows on them that'll point you where you're supposed to go. And you'll go in this room, and you give the form to a nurse or somebody there that's helping people out. And then you'll go on into the other room and get your shot. Well... It didn't go that smoothly for me the first time because I had to, you know, there was they were they were pausing, giving out the shots because they were counting the doses that they had. They're doing an inventory, so that made us a bunch of us wait in the, the, that room for I don't know five minutes, and then we went in and got our shots. Okay, so while well, this sec second time around it was much quicker, just just I went in, was greeted, and said, "Yep, getting my shot." Checked in at the window, got the got that same sheet of paper to mark off the no, little notes on there. Talked to I, I'm assuming it was a nurse, but it was somebody that helps you out. As I got into the next room, and I said, "Well, I, I am expecting that I might get um, symptoms tomorrow because I did get some after the first shot." And then they said, "Well, you, you might, and if you, they they should at most last three days, probably a lot shorter than that. If they go longer than three days, talk to your doctor, that kind of thing." But then just right on in. Nurse called me over to a station to sit on. She gave me the shot, and I had a little time to talk to her. And I asked her, I said, uh, uh, are you guys getting a good response for people coming back for their second dose? Because I was hearing stuff, reading some stuff uh, online and such, saying that uh, that, uh, that the, the, the rates of second dose uh, people, people coming back for their second dose was kind of it was dropping a bit because uh, they had some reaction to the first dose. This is the Pfizer or the Moderna shots here in the United States. The Johnson and Johnson's one and done. So, um, so with the second shot, um, they, if they had symptoms after the first one where they felt fluid, they might thought, they might have said, "Well, I'm just not going to get the second one." You know. So that, that was some, some stuff that was going on. So I asked how it was going. And she said the response was very good. People were coming back in for their second shot. It was very good. And I said, oh, that's good. And um, uh, then she said, but the first timers, that has gone way down. She said they were at one point giving out 900 shots a day at this particular clinic. 
uh, and that's down to 300 for the first time people. Uh, this was just before the the uh, the go-ahead was given to start giving vaccines to 12 to 15 year olds. You know, that was just before that, and so hopefully there's a uptick again with uh, with those kids getting in, getting their shots, and they'll be fun. That'll be good. <laughs> fun. It'll be good. Because damn it, you know. Again, you, you, I, I get into the same complaint that I've talked about lately. It's just that there's these people that they didn't want to shut things down. They want things to be normal. They want things to stay normal. Like it's keep them. I, we want them the way the way they were. Well, if we want to get back to where we were, we have to do these little these mitigations to uh, stop the spread or slow the spread of the virus. You know, we have to do some. We have to shut down. Oh, I don't want to do that. Uh, we have to stay six feet away from each other. I don't want to do that. We have to avoid large groups. I don't want to do that. We have to uh, we have to wear masks. Well, I don't want to do that. Uh, we have to wear we have to get the vaccine. I don't want to do that. It's just well, I want things to be normal. Yeah, but these are the things we have to do to get back to normal. Well, I don't want to do that. Oh God, it's just it's really sad. It's really sickening. Uh, it's frustrating as all hell. It's disheartening. It really is. These people just. Ugh. They've been with us all along. There have been anti-vaxxers since there have been vaccines. Going back to smallpox, there were people that didn't didn't like the vaccination. But uh, you know, but you know, and uh, luckily the vaccines prevailed because smallpox is gone. And and polio is really close to being gone. But you know, the anti-vaxxers have helped to give it a little more life. Uh, but it, it's I, I just hope that they don't yeah, uh, yeah maybe we just have to let the anti-vaxxers get the diseases that they're that they don't want to get vaccinated against and uh, and then we can get rid of them so it's just uh, I know and speaking of masks this happened a couple of weeks ago uh, um, I finished up some work in the evening and I went uh, to a grocery store uh, to pick up a few items and uh, so, so I, I went in, grabbed a cart. You know, I, I didn't need to pick up any produce. I don't know why they have the produce section at the front of the grocery store, but there must be reasons. But you know, I go through that section, turn down the first aisle, and uh, approaching me is a woman pushing a cart. She's got her mask on, and her nose is hanging out. I mean, come on. I saw a meme that puts this pretty well. Yeah, it's been over a year. Learn how to wear a mask. It takes less time to toilet train a toddler. It's for these you your nose is connected to your lungs. Your icky stuff is in your lungs, it's in your nasal cavity, it's in your mouth, it's in your throat, it's you know, it's in your respiratory system. And your nose is part of that. You breathe through your nose. If you put on a mask and you let your nose hang out, the mask ain't doing any good. If you, if you, if you put on the mask and you take it down so you can talk to somebody, you, you, that's defeating the purpose of the mask. And yet, people don't get it. They just, what's the deal? And, and one of those people is my father. <laughs> Dad, I can hear you. Cover your face. <laughs> Cover your nose. The mask doesn't work if you don't cover your nose. 
You know, you, you, you should just wear your mask over the top of your head for all the good it's doing. Well, I'm still wearing my mask. <laughs> so this lady, she's walking up, and she's got her nose hanging out. And I start to think all these things, and I went, <gasps> I'm not wearing my mask. <laughs> I realized I didn't have my mask on. It was in my pocket. So I immediately, I immediately grabbed my mask out of my pocket, put it on, get it all set up, and I felt so horrible. <laughs> I felt, I, I felt like I needed to apologize to everybody there. Felt like I needed to get on the PA system and say, uh, uh, "Excuse me, uh, uh, attention, attention, uh, fellow shoppers, uh, I would like to apologize." For forgetting to wear my mask. Uh, I can assure you I am pro-mask. I believe in being a good citizen and a neighbor uh, by doing my part to stop spread the spread of this virus. Uh, and uh, to that woman uh, with her nose hanging out, uh, get that nose in the mask. Uh, but thanks for reminding me that I, I, I wasn't wearing my mask. So uh, anyway, uh, uh, that is all. So I... I wanted to do that. Felt so terrible. I felt so guilty. <laughs> but that's the only time, the first and only time that that's happened. Well, now the CDC has said that fully vaccinated people here in the United States—that means you're two weeks out after your either your Johnson and Johnson one dose or your two dose for the Pfizer or the Moderna—you don't have to wear the mask. And my boss's wife said the masks were going to be permanent. They were going to be mandated forever. We were going to always have to wear masks. Huh, well, geez, I guess you're wrong there, aren't you? Tucker Carlson thought the same thing. We're never going to see these masks go away. Really? Huh. Well, the CDC just made uh, fools of, the, of that idea, didn't they? But here's the thing. How will we know? How are we supposed to know that the person is fully vaxxed? How are we supposed to know? How's a grocery store supposed to know? Because you know the anti-vaxxers are just going to walk in without a mask and if somebody says, oh, I'm, ma I'm vaxxed, oh, I'm vaxxed, I'm fully vaxxed, you know that's going to happen. I mean, I suppose we could show them our card, but the card can be faked. I saw some guy on Facebook that was proud about his faking of his card. So that, you know, that could happen. Oh, and by the way, when I went in to uh, get my second shot, and the nurse, you know, I gave my card to the nurse so she could put the little, uh, you know, the sticker on there and then sign it and do whatever they got to do with that card. She said to me, she says, oh, I see you trimmed your card. See, I had. I trimmed my card. Now, you've got one of these things, right? You, you've got your vaccine, and they give you that card thing, right? The card is just a little too big for a wallet to fit comfortably in a wallet. Now I have a, a one of those single fold wallets, so I would put the card in between the fold. I wouldn't be able to put it in with the bills because it would stick out the top. But I was able to kind of keep it all contained within the, my, my wallet in that center of the fold. But it still was bugging me because it just it just was not fitting right. And I, you know, I didn't want to you know, take my wallet out and maybe have the card fall out of it or something. It'd be safer if I could put it in with the bills. So I carefully trimmed it down. There's room to do it, so I took, you know, got my scissors, trimmed it down, and I put it in where the bill full, where the where the bills would be in my in my wallet, 
or billfold, whichever you want to call it. I, it's, it's you know, and so she said that, and I said, yeah, just leave it to the government to not quite get the size of the card right. It, it, why? It, how is it not possible they couldn't make it the size of a credit card? Make it the size of a driver's license. If they could you know, easily do that, they could have easily done that. So then we could just just plop it in there. Maybe even get it laminated. But no, <laughs> they leave it up to us to have to clip it, clip the sides down, and just cut it down just enough, just enough to fit in the wallet. Okay. Oh, I tell you. But um, it'll be nice not to have to wear masks. But again, how are we supposed to know? Who's fully vaxxed? I don't know. I do know that I'm going to go to my first break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Uh, I shall be back after uh, this this brief this brief break. <laughs> You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. I'm Mick West. In my podcast, Tales from the Rabbit Hole, I've extended conversations with people who have been involved in conspiracy culture. I do this for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because it's really interesting. These people have great stories about how they fell down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole, what they did down there, and what it was that helped them out. Sometimes I also talk to people who investigate conspiracy theories, and they have equally fascinating stories from the other side. Secondly, I want to understand how best to prevent the spread of conspiracy theories and misinformation, which is an increasing problem in a time when alternative media is exploding. The best way to do this is to communicate effectively with the people involved, and the best way to do that is with a nice long chat. Check it out. Tales from the Rabbit Hole. TFTRH.com endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. If this station is not your cup of tea... Then drink coffee! 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 <laughs> drink coffee! 100% news. 100% information. 100% guarantee. Well, you might say that. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Well, I hate coffee. That's right. I wouldn't drink coffee if... I wouldn't drink tea either. And welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Uh, I, I know I'm coming to this a little late because it's, uh, it's probably already past its, uh, its uh, uh, novelty. But what the hell? 
the, you you remember the, the the recent photograph that broke the internet? It didn't exactly break the internet, but uh, it it did give the internet quite the uh, 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 excitement. Uh, it did it did cause it to say, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> uh, I'm talking about the picture of the uh, the Bidens visiting the Carters. That would be uh, President Joe Biden and his wife, Dr. Jill Biden, uh, visiting uh, uh, President Jimmy Carter and his wife, Rosalind, uh, at the Carter's home, which apparently is a very modest home. It's not something, you know, There's you're not going to find a gold toilet in there. Uh, and there's a picture that was taken of the two couples. Uh, the, the Carters are comfortably sitting in their, in their comfy chairs. Uh, and kneeling alongside them, uh, alongside uh, uh, President Carter, is is Dr. Biden, and kneeling alongside Rosalind Carter is is President Biden, and they you know they're you know posing for this picture, and it's a very austere looking living room, a couple of comfy chairs, a nice nice uh, neutral blue color wall with some you know. A portrait of Jimmy Carter as president on the wall, and some other couple of little other pieces of art on the wall, and just it's looking very, you know, austere. And the Carters look like they uh, uh, live in Munchkin Land. They look tiny. The Bidens look like giants. <laughs> it is, it is something that when you look at it, it is freaky. Some astute person on social media, I'm sure several of them had the same idea, but somebody quickly put it out where where it, this looks like a scene from a David Lynch movie, because it really kind of does. Um, well now, now there's a couple explanations for why it looks the way it looks. Uh, Brian Williams uh, of MSNBC News or the MSNBC that station, uh, he uh, he talked about this photograph and he tackled the explanation although he did give some uh, to the actual reasoning this looks the way it does but uh, he but another factor involved in why it looks the way it is is because people get smaller as we get older we begin to shrink he makes this bad you know Seinfeld reference joke at the beginning with shrinkage it doesn't 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 work for me, but uh, all right. What are you gonna do? But he, you know, he says that uh, uh, be beginning in your 30s, and that's kind of uh, disturbing to figure to, to learn. You start to slowly get shorter. Uh, your you you get you know, your calcium leaches from your bones. I guess a little bit. That's why it's important to to get, you know get calcium in your system, help keep your bones strong, and to exercise and do all this kind of stuff. Uh, but you, you start to, you know, you kind of compact a little bit, and you start to just stoop, and you, and you begin to get smaller. I mean, my father, when he was in the service back in, uh, I think he went in in 1959, his height was 5'8". And my son is just a, a little bit over 5'8 right now. And uh, not all that long ago, well, it was last summer, I don't know if he was quite at, he was getting close to five eight about that point. Um, we you know we'd go over 
and cut uh, my parents' grass. I'd bring Hayden over with me, and you know, we, the two of us would cut the grass. And we were inside after doing so, and uh, this is this was before the. Uh, you know, I think, well, yeah, it was during the pandemic because we'd have our masks on, but we'd be inside the house. And uh, and uh, and Grandpa, my dad, said to Hayden, he says, wow, you're, you're starting, you're getting a little taller than me. Or, or, or you're going to be getting taller than me. It's like, you're going to be getting taller than me. And uh, Hayden says, I am taller than you. <laughs> I don't think Dad's 5'8", or I'm not even sure if he's 5'6". He's, he's, you know, he's, and my mom also, they get smaller. You just, it just happens to us as we get older. And that's, that's one factor in why the picture looked the way it is. But the main factor of why it looks like it is a, it's an artifact of the, of the camera lens. Uh, the camera lens is, is a wide angle lens. And what a wide angle lens will do is that objects that are closer to the lens will look, will be magnified. The, the 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 size will be exaggerated over those things on the on you know that are further back from the from the camera and this is wonderfully demonstrated by a person that I'm going to declare a dimland radio science hero Mick West he has a website called Metabunk uh, he's a skeptic he has a certain expertise in in photography and electronic stuff and that and he he brings that expertise to bear when he does his, his skeptical examinations of you know certain phenomena you know claim phenomena of, with a, of a photographic nature mostly so the, there was recently you know some navy released some uh, uh, you know ufo photographs uh or video which was you know taken at night uh zoomed in uh, with the night uh, vision lens, and so that the it was the pyramid-shaped UFOs, and Mick West pretty much solved what was going on there. I'll link to it so that you can learn what the what the solution is. I'm sure you've heard of it. And you can get to the show notes by going to dimland.com. Click on the show notes slash blog option, and you'll get to them. Uh, but the other thing that he did was he examined that photograph and he explained and he puts it's a it's a video that's less than a minute to, to explain why it is. He says it's a wide angle lens. Objects closer to the to the ca to the camera will look exaggerated in their size. And and he and he points out that if you look at Joe Biden's hand that sits on the armrest of the easy of the uh, comfy chair that uh, Rosalind is sitting in. And her hand is uh, very near Joe's at that point. The two hands look right. They look right in size to each other. But Joe, the rest of Joe, looks like a giant. So what Mick did was he took he took a he used a, a wide angle lens, set up his living room similarly to the, what we see in the picture, put the camera set. He sits down in the chair. Uh, much like Rosalind was sitting in there, and then he takes a picture, and then the next picture he takes a picture of himself kneeling in the same position that Joe Biden was, and he's now a little bit closer to the camera. He takes a picture of that, then he superimposes the two and creates the effect. You see that he's closer to the camera, he looks big. And that's the explanation. That's as simple as that. Uh, photographers would know these kinds of things. And but a lot of people looked at that and thought this is 
is there some kind of Photoshop going on here? Is there some kind of uh, messing with our minds happening here? But it really is a freaky picture. It, it really is. It is. But it's cute, too. It's a cute picture. Um, I, oh, I, I'm, uh, I'm going to get to a, a, a cool thing here. Um, meant to get to it last time, but I couldn't. Uh, I've been watching a lot of uh, Dave Letterman, you know, Late Night with David Letterman clips on YouTube. And I came across this one clip that's it's not from it's not late night it's an interview that dave letterman did with bob costas now back in the day after late night with david letterman would go off the air uh the next show up would be uh an interview show that was hosted by bob costas it was called later and it was a long form interview show it was sort of like charlie rose on pbs but um uh, 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 not not quite as serious and uh, not as much behind the scenes ass grabbing because you know Charlie got in some trouble there, but uh, it would have more entertainer types to be interviewed. Not that Charlie didn't, but it was a little looser than what the Charlie Rose interview shows were, because uh, his shows could get quite serious. Not saying that the Bob Costas one couldn't uh, couldn't either, but it was a little little more uh, pop culture interview type stuff than you know than Charlie what Charlie was doing. Although he would do some of the same stuff too, so um, and what and what later would do, what the show would do, is they they book somebody to interview for a, a half hour show, and which is like twenty two minutes or twenty four minutes or something like that, uh, and plus, you know, and then the commercials to pad out the rest. And what they would do is if they were really on a roll and things were going really well. The, the guests might say, you know, this, just just stay here. We'll talk for another 20 minutes, and we'll we'll make two shows out of this. And, and 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 they would do that from time to time. They just were having a really good time talking to the person, or and there was a lot of interesting conversation happening between the two. And they said, let's just build this over to, uh, we'll just keep going, and we'll cut two shows out of this, and we'll put the other show on the next night. And uh, you know they did it with Paul McCartney. Um, uh, Paul McCartney. They did that with him, and that was great. And uh, so Letterman was a guest of Bob Costas. Now this video I found. What makes this so fascinating is it has two. Uh, it has uh, two images in the video. It, it the, the, the there there must have been three cameras for the show. There's a camera that has the two people talking, Bob and his guest. And then there's a camera that's dedicated to looking at the guest. And then there must be a third camera that's dedicated to looking at just Bob. And so, but in this, they just had the two cameras, the two cameras, the one that looks at both of them and the one that looks at Dave. And it's, and they're happening at the same time. So, uh, you know, you get to see, you know, the, the audio plays and everything's happening, you know, in the same time, you know, it's running time. But you just get, you get to see both camera angles. You're not getting the cuts. And every now and then you see the camera move just a little bit, like they just to reposition a little. You know, they zoom in a little bit or back up a little. You, you'd see that kind of stuff happening. When they would go to commercial break, uh, th the cameras would keep running, and we could still we're still watching this. And 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 the two you know Dave and, and Bob would stop talking to each other. Uh, Bob might say, you know they might say a little bit. Uh, in the break, but uh, it'd be pretty much, you know, uh, uh, pretty much a moment for 
the the makeup person to come in and touch up makeup and for the producer to come in and say okay this is what we want to get uh, in this last segment you want to make sure that you mention that Dave's special is coming up and you want to get all that in and Bob's taking all this stuff in real professional man I'm telling you professional and how he does his stuff he gets his little notes and then he just works it in just in in such a way that's not you know ham-handed uh, it's just or ham-fisted it just doesn't you know he 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 it's really good at what he does and it's fascinating to watch this little between behind the scenes between during the breaks to see what's going on here um, the only thing that I found annoying about it was you know the Dave's chomping on a cigar the whole time it's just, you know, just put that cigar down he's for Pete's sake you're gonna have a heart attack and need bypass surgery put that cigar down but anyway um, now, it got to a point uh, where it was obvious that this is going to be longer than a half-hour show. So it's going to be one of those that they're going to cut into two. And uh, they're, they're in an ad break, and, and Bob and Dave are talking a little bit with each other uh, about maybe you know, about what they might talk about. And Dave says, you want to talk about Bryant? Now, he means Bryant Gumbel. Now, in case you don't know this, in when... During Dave Late Night with David Letterman, during his run there, uh, Bob uh, Bryant Gumble and Jane Pauley hosted the Today Show, which was on in the mornings. But for a time, they had also they had like a prime time version of the Today Show, which would be happening live as Dave was taping Late Night. Now, one version of the story I heard was that the producer, a producer of the Today Show the primetime version, came to Letterman and said, would you interrupt the show? And they didn't mean by walking onto the set kind of interruption, but an interruption from, from he, the, 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 the Today Show would be being, the segments would be, uh, be taken outside of the building. They're out in the plaza out in front of Rockefeller Square, uh, Rockefeller Plaza, I should say, uh, Rockefeller Center or whatever. You know, th that's where the NBC studios are. And so they'd be outside doing a live show and Dave would be taping his show and he'd go to some floor and get a bullhorn and start saying ridiculous stuff to you know interrupting the show and and they would I'll, I'll have to have clips for this stuff out to find it um, you can't really you can hear that somebody's talking on a bullhorn on the Today Show, and and when when Bryant or Jane are off camera, they're looking back. It's what's going on? What's going on when they're off camera? Um, and Bryant got really mad at Letterman when he found out that this is happening. He got really mad at him, and there was a little bit of a uh, tension between the two. And Dave was like, "Well, I'd understand him being mad at me. I'd be mad at him if he interrupted my show." But you know, they they did come to terms after that. But I thought it was so interesting. That Dave brought it up to Bob Costas that you want to talk about Bryant. You want to talk, yeah. And so, and so Bob says to him, says, "I do you want to talk about Bryant?" And Dave says, "Yeah, sure. You, well, if you if you want to talk about Bryant, well, we can talk about Bryant." And 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 Bob looks off camera to the producer and says, "We're going to talk about Bryant." And it's you could you, there's a certain amount of excitement with Costas because he knows this is going to be great. This is going to be good TV. You know, he knows. And he's a pro. They come back from commercial, you know. Come back, and he breaks, and he and he just he just so easily moves into talking about Bryant. He just brings it up. He didn't, you know. He, you know, he might have prepared questions beforehand, thinking, 
well, maybe we'll talk about Bryant Gumble and this kind of thing, but you know, he might have had something in his mind, but or but if he didn't, and if he had to come up with it just in that moment, he did a really nice job at it. It's just really cool. So it's just it's this cool thing to look at. It's just this interesting to see how a show like that is put together, what they do in the ad breaks, and how they you know have this give and take of stuff of how they do it. It's just really interesting. Uh, you should check it out. So I'll put it on the show notes page, and uh, you can you can look at it. It's it's fascinating stuff. It's really really cool. Uh, let's see. Do I have I gotten to my next break? No. Um, uh, I wanted to let you know about a uh, a phone scam that uh, uh, that is out there. Um, the other day, our supervisor for the company I work for. Um, he called up to you know as he does each day to see what's you know what's up for the evening work, uh, what does what tasks does he need to get done or what buildings should he check on or whatever, and so I go all through all that with him and then when we're done with that he says um, um, can I ask you something can I get your advice on something and I said sure what's up and he says I got a call on his cell phone the other day from some fellow that uh, that claimed that uh, that our supervisor that he uh, had hit this guy's car and left uh, his phone number on the windshield so that they could, you know, be, you know, so that the guy whose car got hit could call our supervisor. Uh, I'll call him Paul. Would call Paul and say, "Hey, you know, we got to settle up these damages. Uh, you left your phone number." Well, Paul doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. He said, "I didn't hit your car. I didn't hit a car. I didn't leave a phone number on anything." And then the guy gets really, really mad at him. And so Paul doesn't know what to do about this. Uh, he ends up hanging up on the guy, and he's worried about it. It, it. it showed up as you know, unknown name, unknown number. So he didn't, you know. So he's he he doesn't know what to do. So he calls me and he asks me about it. Tells me this, and my mind went into the direction of of you know. I wonder if somebody hit this guy's car and was going to take off, but maybe there were people around. So what he decided to do was just uh, put a note on the windshield and just made up a phone number using you know the area code for. Minneapolis or for St. Paul, I'm not sure which area code Paul, uh, 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 Paul has. I don't know which which he has, but uh, um, you know, just write that out and put it and just just write a number, and it just happened to be Paul's number. And, I, and so I said, I don't know if the, you could call the police, and Paul doesn't want to do that. And I said, Well, I, I don't know. You can change your number. <laughs> if the guy gets to be a pest, you can change your number. You didn't hit the guy, right? You didn't leave him up. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> so. Um, the next day, I was talking to the boss, and I mentioned the story. And the boss, what the boss said, I was like, "That boy, that's got to be a scam. That sounds like a scam." And I said, "Oh man, I bet you're right." So I looked it up, and it is. Now some sources will call it a prank. It's somebody doing a prank. But what? But uh, but according to the Omaha uh, Police Department, I'm assuming Nebraska. Uh, they posted this on their Facebook page. I'm going to quote here. We have received two phone calls from people who said they received a phone call from a man claiming that their car hit his. He states that someone posted a note on his car saying that this number can be contacted regarding the damages. This person requests information, uh, insurance information and gets irate when they do not get the information. In one case, the caller swore at the victim and threatened to come hurt her if she didn't pay him. Uh, remember, 
Never give out information unless you are absolutely positive you know what is going on. If they say a member of your family hit them, do not believe them. If they have any, uh, if you have any doubt that they are legitimate, tell them you want to call the police and have the police help the situation. There are new scams popping up all the time. Think twice before ever giving out personal information. If you have elderly parents, remind them to be very careful when strangers contact them. Elderly folks can be especially vulnerable. So, if you get that call, to say, so, you know, in, in one of the things that I was looking into and finding out about the scam, uh, there was a Reddit about it. And one person said, yeah, I told that the guy says, well, you've got my number. He says to the guy, you've got my number. Just give it to the police and have the police call me. So, uh, but really, just hang up. Don't give them the information. Don't do it. Just, it's, uh, you don't give out your stuff. Like your, your insurance information, your social security number, your bank number, you know, bank account number, your credit card number, none of that. Don't give that stuff out. And now I'm ready to take my next break. You're listening to Dimline Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'll be back. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z Talk Radio. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Z-Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Z-Talk Radio is committed to bringing you the best radio possible. We will test your senses with innovative and entertaining radio programming. Honest, informative, inspirational, and on occasion, controversial. Our listening audience will also have the opportunity to interact with the show hosts and guests through live chat and call-in capabilities. You can't be left out of the loop. Tune into all our live shows once, and you'll never turn your computer off again. Z-Talk Radio on your computer dial. Your healthy addiction. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, uh, oh, I, I do that at the top of the show. I don't have to do that in the, in, the, in the end of the show or in the last segment of the show, but I do 
need to uh, do one of these. It's not true, it's not true. I'm telling you, cause I'm up here and you're nowhere. It's not true. So there. Okay, what's not true? Well, this it's not true is uh, a bit of a correction. New information came out since I've said this on my show. I've actually, I know I've said it on my show when I, uh, uh, when I talked about the events of January 6, uh, 2021, uh, Insurrection Day, or as the Republicans call it, a date that they want everyone to forget. There's actually a congressperson, this dude, was saying, you know, hey, you, you you watch the video of the of the uh, the people coming into the you know coming through the uh, the hall of statues. I think that's what it's called, and they're walking between the stanchions. They they, they just look like they're tourists, right? Tourists that just had to bust past barricades, smash down doors or windows, and climb through. And that and and then that that same fellow talks about, you know. Well, they didn't get into the onto the house floor because well, we barricaded the doors. You barricaded the doors against these these peaceful pro uh, peaceful tourists just coming to check out the capital. God, I don't know what the hell's going on with the Republican Party. I really don't. It's just, it's, it's flabbergasting. Uh, they. I think it's just uh, they're, they got their eyes on the 2022 election. They're hoping to take back, you know, to, you know, take back the House and the Senate, and and they figure that they're cynically uh, latching on to fearless loser, to dear leader, and, and because uh, because they're afraid of the base, and it's just it. Uh, I I hope it's a losing strategy for them. I really do. I hope it's a losing strategy because I don't think there are enough of the morons. You know, the Republican Party is a is a minority party, meaning that that they don't represent a majority of Americans. They don't. The majority of Americans like the Democratic ideas. They like them. They like the ideas that the Democrats are putting forward. They, you know, they the in the Senate, which is is split fifty fifty. Uh, the Democrats represent what was it, uh, 25 million more people than the Republicans do. It's they just it's a minority party, and and yeah, 70 percent according to some poll, 70 percent of Republicans think that the, the the I guess Republican voters think that the election was stolen. They believe that it's like what are we through the looking glass here? Yes, yes we are. They believe it was stolen, but 23 percent don't, and that's a high number. For the number of Republicans that are out there, 23% is a high number. They, I, will it work? But I'll tell you something though. Back in February of 2016, Senator Lindsey Graham, Mr. Plays both sides of you know, the, you know he's just such a sycophantic fan of of Fearless Loser. But back then he wasn't, and he was saying, if the Republican Party nominates. Dear leader, to be the uh, uh, you know the not you know the, their their candidate for president, he'll destroy the Republican Party, and he might just be right. I don't know. 
he might just be right that this this split that's happening you know they they, the, the Republican Party says, we don't want one of the more conservative members of the party to have a leadership role, so we're going to kick her out because she refuses to say that the election was stolen. Oh, they'll say it was, oh, nobody's questioning that, nobody's questioning that. Oh, I, I know one person in Florida that's questioning that, that's suggesting that the election was stolen. I know one person down there. Anyway. You know, and the and the woman they put into that third position leadership role in the house, the woman they put in there, Stefanik or whatever her name is that they put in there, she's more moderate than Liz Cheney who got kicked out. <laughs> she's more moderate, so it's like she's not as conservative. What the hell? These people, I they, ah. So January sixth is a day they want you to forget. Don't you forget it? They want you to forget it. Anyway, the it's not true aspect is that uh, the police officer, uh, Sicknick, uh, back at the time, just in the aftermath of that, on this show and elsewhere, I reported that he was killed uh, due to in injuries received from getting hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. Well, it turns out that's not why he died and that he didn't have any kind of injuries that would be consistent with getting hit by a fire extinguisher. He was maced, but he died from having... Um, uh, he had blood clots in his brain stem which led to him having strokes. And he that's what he died from. Uh, the uh, Capitol Police Department uh, still consider him having died in the line of duty, but he he didn't. Uh, and, and and the coroner that was uh, giving the report said that uh, you know, all that transpired played a role in his condition, but it's considered natural causes uh, that he died from uh, when the disease alone could cause death, which is the case here. Um, so. Uh, in interest of making sure that the record is correct on this show, uh, when I when I learned that, I said I better do it. It's, that's not true. I better do one because I don't want to have false information on here. At the time, that's what was being reported that he'd been hit in the head. Uh, either it was thrown and it hit him, or he was, uh, or it was you know somebody wielded it and and hit him with it. Either way, was not sure, but that's not what happened. He had a stroke. He died from the stroke. That doesn't mean that you know, you know that uh, that those insurrectionists, those coup attempters, uh, did not injure other police officers because they did. I think one lost an eye and some fingers might have been lost and just you know and and one police officer commit suicide shortly after this. Was it related? You know, that's part of the story the saying that it was it was due to something and other people died the insurrectionists others they died some of them because of having heart attacks or some you know some other kind of thing but one person was shot trying to get in to one of the house one of the chambers I don't know if it was the Senate chamber I think it was the house chamber trying to get into that she was shot she was trying to peacefully get in there so she could just kind of check things out so I want to make sure that uh, that I, you know, 
stay on uh, uh, on good footing here with the information that I give out on my show. So, um, Officer uh, Sicknick being uh, killed on Jan- or shortly after January 6th because of injuries suffered by getting hit by a fire extinguisher. Well, that's not true. It's not true, it's not true. I'm telling you, cause I'm up here and you're aware. It's not true. So there. Okay. I got next. What do I have next? I kind of have to look at the clock here and see where I'm at in my time. What do I have next? Um, uh, let's see. I think I will uh, go on to do... Uh, oh, I, I will talk about this. I just finished watching uh, the documentary series uh, on World War II. It's called World at War. Uh, it was produced by uh, British television. I don't know if it was BBC or Thames or whatever production company, but it was it's a British television documentary series. Came out in 74, I think it was. Uh, and it's so so you get the British perspective of World War II. And it's fascinating. It's a wonderful documentary series. I think there are 26 episodes. One episode gets a little dry. It's called Home Fires. It has a lot of the politics of England at the time and if you're I you know as an American I don't really know much of the stuff and it got a little dry but really the series is terrific it's narrated by uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier he, he brings the proper sense of gravitas to it he has a, just this great voice uh, it's terrific what he does the music to the series is, is is good I mean it's really good it just kind of plays really well with what the what it's doing it takes it takes the topic seriously obviously you should but it's not this rah-rah heroic kind of thing uh, I think I've talked about this before there was a documentary series that was produced in the in, in, for American television about 10 years prior and that was uh, very rah-rah victory at sea lots of you know rah-rah America yay rah-rah I mean yeah yay America and yay the Allies in World War two yeah but I mean you know come on it's just a little too much um, uh, but the world at war has a more somber feel and what's also great about world at war because it was pro- it was aired in 1974 so it was produced you know earlier than that they got to talk to people that were involved from people all the way from civilians up to you know pretty high-ranking government officials on both sides and military people from you know from from the lowest ranks up to some pretty high-ranking officials and what was great about that is when these people are talking some of them you can see archival footage from World War II of them, younger versions of them, being involved, and you know, so they talked to Albert Speer. He's the high, he was, you know, the, he was the highest-ranking German they could get uh, for that. And you see young Albert Speer, you know, talking to Hitler. This guy talked to Hitler, <laughs> and then they have they have a Japanese uh, foreign minister secretary guy. Uh, he t- you talk to him, and then they show this, ar- ar- you know, the archival footage of uh, the signing of the unconditional surrender on the uh, USS Missouri on that ship uh, when Japan signed the, the surrender. 
and you see, you know, the, the, the diplomats come on there and they're wearing, you know, uh, uh, fancy suits, you know, with tails and top hat, you know, and they come on uh, and they're military guys, you know, the generals or whatever with them. And the, the civilian is signing the, the treaty and uh, the foreign minister guy and, and this foreign minister secretary that talks, you know, that is interviewed for the series. You see a younger him standing there. It, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's so cool. So, so connected. Well, I was just watching it the other day, and or just finished watching it the other day. There's an episode um, that that uh, that chronicles the very end of uh, the war in in Germany. You know, the, the where the Russians are coming into Berlin, and the other Allies are coming into on the other side, and Hitler's just he's he's gone to the bunker. And that episode starts off with. Uh, uh, scenes from Dresden, and the Dresden bombing, you know, even in this documentary, that close to the war, even there, the the idea that uh, if there was a case for if this uh, of a, of, a, of an instance of over bombing, that was one because it just uh, what what happened to Dresden was was terrible, and for the military objective, it really didn't accomplish much. There were factories there that they bombed. But for the life of uh, the lost life of civilians, something like a hundred thousand, the factory damage didn't last all that long. They were up and running in another in a few days. So, um, so you had that. So you, so I feel a little. You, you, when you start watching this episode, you they start with Dresden. You feel a little sympathy for the German people that this is what they're enduring now because it's got it got really rough for them in those final weeks and months of the war. But just after that. The series then shows us, I mean, just after they go through the Dresden stuff, they show us uh, 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 of the liberation of concentration camps within Germany. And the civilians being, being shown what was happening in their backyards, that they either pretended wasn't happening or didn't care was happening. They got to see it. And there was a scene, and this is in color, most of the archival footage is in black and white, but this was in color. And there's a, there's a, the camera's panning across a group of German civilians, uh, quite a few of them, you know, two or three people deep, and they're looking aghast, pale. They're looking at something. And we, for the longest time, we're not seeing what they're looking at. Then the camera turns around and looks at what they're looking at. They're looking at a flatbed, flat uh, open-air uh, train car. That is that has dead bodies stacked like cardwood, naked, dried blood on them, dead, emaciated bodies, and that's what they're looking at. So the sympathy we felt at the beginning because of Dresden, and then it's pulled away because this is why. It's an interesting choice in editing and, and building that episode. Now the other thing I wanted to that I wanted to mention why I wanted uh, why I wanted to talk about this particular episode was that I don't think I can ever uh, watch World at War the same way. I realized that this last time, this last because whenever I'd watched this before, there's an episode that's called Genocide, and of course it's about the Holocaust. It's about the the, the murder of the systematic. Murder of of of, Jew, of European Jews by the Nazis, systematic. 
you know that I mean genocides have happened throughout human history and and they they, they still happen today but what made the the, the 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 genocide that took place during you know during World War two was that the Germans were just so methodical about it they kept records you know they, they, they would sign forms and they would just they just the the systematic this is what we do and it was the SS that was in charge of the concentration camp. So that episode starts off with the SS, you know, the formation of the SS. Heinrich Himmler headed it up, and there's a point in there where Himmler is is giving the uh, uh, the oath to a, you know, a new class of uh, SS soldiers, and the oath has them, you know, it's a loyalty oath where the, the, the SS mem new SS members are uh, uh, declaring their loyalty to God, country, and Adolf Hitler. By name, the guy, the man, one guy, Hitler. And I would, for years I would watch that, and I would think, that's so much, you know, that, that's, I'm so glad that for the most part, we have moved away from that. That that doesn't happen in America. That we don't take allegiance to one man. That we don't do that. You know, there are cults. The 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 David Koresh, his followers took a, made allegiances to one man. Jim Jones, you know, his followers allegiance to one man, to the man, to this, to the, not to not to the 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 group. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe some you know lip service to them, but really the loyalty was to the man. And on a grander scale, on a national scale, with Germany, it, with Nazi Germany, it was to Hitler. And I thought this isn't going to happen here. But you know something? Since January sixth, a date that the Republicans want us all to forget. Remember what was going on that day? There was a rally. Stop the steal. You know, fearless loser gets everybody ginned up, sends them on to the Capitol, and they peacefully march down to the Capitol, peacefully bust through the police barricades, peacefully bust through the doors, peacefully bang on doors and calling out for Nancy Pelosi, peacefully chant, hang Mike Pence, peacefully wipe feces on the wall. There were chants that day. Stop the steal was one of the chants. There was another chant that day. Other than, you know, hang Mike Pence, yep, there was that. There was a ch the, the chant was, it wasn't, I'll tell you what it wasn't. It wasn't um, fight for America. It wasn't fight for the Constitution. It wasn't fight for democracy. It was fight for Trump. One man. Those people would take a loyalty oath to him. They wouldn't mind hearing a, cha a slight change in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under Trump, indivisible, 
with liberty and justice for all. I love the series uh, World at War. I think it's fantastically done. I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's very much well worth watching. But I can never watch it the same way again because a loyalty oath to Hitler and a loyalty oath to Trump uh, that that could happen today. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. <sighs> Come to the end of another show. Be skeptical. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Wash your hands. Wear your masks. Keep your distance. Stay home if you can. Get your vaccine. You know, and maybe we can get through this. Uh, this is your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons uh, on, on Dimland Radio and on ZTalk Radio Network. And I'm reminding you all to sleep with the lights off. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option. And you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, well I'm going to hell. hell.